Good morning. I'd like to welcome you all. And I'd like to especially welcome our visitors from far away, Jared and his wife, Lin Linda. Yeah, well, so um, just, yeah, hope that you feel, feel at home here and in our family, in our small little family. Um, just to feel those of you that don't know them, they, um, I've just met them as well this morning, but they ran some of the, the last camp that Jess and Alicia went to or were involved in the running, so I haven't had a long chat with you, but um, I'm, you're involved in that ministry, and um, God be with you and continue to, to be strong for him, hey? Yeah, so, okay, well, um, so today's topic is going to be a little bit on the line of um, what Tibor is going through, <laughs> uh, I guess about... <clears throat> about uh, trials and things that we have going our ways when we don't expect them and we, we don't necessarily um, are ready for them. But um, I, um, I titled the service, The Life of Faith is a Life of Risk. And there's some people that take greater risks than other people in life, in business, in their family life, in many aspects of life. Some people just take more risks than other people, and that's the way that people are. And in faith, some people take more risks than others as well. And I think that a lot of the examples that we have, almost without exception, they were risk takers, and I've just named half a dozen of them. And the first one I got that I've jotted down is Noah. You know, Noah built this ark, and do you think that that was a risk? I mean, people were just laughing at him. People were mocking him. People were saying, are you kidding me? You're building this monster of a boat. <laughs> what for? And it went for so long. How many years did it go for? Somebody? 20? 120, that's right. 120 years to build this boat. Was that a risk? Of course it was a risk, but it paid off. Abraham, when, left, when he left Ur and went to the promised land. Was that a risk? Of course it was a risk. He was going to a place that he did not know where he was going, the Bible says. And then we got Moses that led the people of God out of Egypt. Was that a risk? You know, there was people, there was soldiers following him by the thousands with chariots and with, with weapons. Was that a risk? Of course it was a risk. But a life of faith is a life of risk. David when he defeated Goliath and many other stories of David, remember when he took the armor off and he threw it off and he said, I can't go with this. Another greater risk. So with the armor, maybe he was a bit of a small of a risk. And Elijah, when he, when he faced the other the prophets of Baal and he, put, he asked them to put water on it before he prayed to his God, to, to the true God, and the fire came and... Daniel, when he refused to defile himself with kings, the king's food. Um, you know, and Daniel got Nehemiah also, that led the Jews to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we read these stories, and they, these are people that just weren't satisfied to, to, to leave things the, the way that they were. And they thought that they'll go that one extra step, but if no one else, they'll just sit back. And if no one else puts up their hand, they will go themselves. And that's what happened in a lot of cases. God actually called a lot of these and handpicked them. We know that. 
And when we tell our little children um, Sunday school, we tell them a lot of these stories and we keep repeating them because these are the stories that we'd like them to kind of um, follow because they are great stories and they're great heroes that we have. So we'd like our children to, to learn from these and learn these stories. And these people, um, we want them to be a model for our children and for them to follow their example. And I think that if we are unwilling to take a chance, we can never discover what living by faith is all about. We need to be willing to take a chance. And, uh, you know, a faith, a life without risk is really a, a life without faith. And as I'm preparing this, I think that one of the best stories that we can have, that we can relate to uh, someone taking a risk, and there's many, but in the New Testament, I've chosen to, to read um, the story of, of um, Peter when he walked on the water. And what, I, what I, I've done something a little different today. So we'll be reading from the first three slides. And they're in the in the, the message, the Bible, the, the version of the message. And then we're going to go to, as we break it up and we open it up, we're going to go to the NIV, which is the one that I normally preach from and the one that I use. But I thought it's quite interesting in some of the language that is said here. And just for a, a little bit of fun as well, it's, it's good to just have a little change. And right at the start, you know, the first word there, it says, as soon as the meal was finished. You know, and that in itself is just, it's, it's almost like an Aussie version, you know, this, this version. And you'll see as we go through it. But just to give you a bit of a background before this, and, you know, sometimes we need to find and get a feeling of what really is happening in the story. And in, in this particular case, Jesus, first he feeds the 5,000 um, people with a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish and it was getting it was getting dark and and Jesus was preaching and healing people and then they withdrew and they went a bit further away closer to the shore and the people followed him the Bible says and then the disciples said to Jesus send them away so they can get some food before it gets dark and then and they can buy some foods in the villages as they're going home and as we know there was 5,000 of them and as we know Jesus made this incredible miracle and there was food left over. But the story is that the disciples would have to have been involved in distributing that bread as well, don't you think? That these were his closest and with all the commotion going on and all the unrest. Imagine feeding 5,000 people. I mean, there's a lot going on in this church when we have meals every first Sunday of the month, isn't it? And we line up there and there's a lot of things that are going on and you need someone to keep a bit of an order. Imagine 5,000 people that just get all excited about all this food coming up and it's really fresh bread and the fish is just right. And so the disciples had to do all this and had to get it all together and hold it all together. And then as they, as they, they finish and they're just about to disperse, they think we just need a rest. You know, we need to have a break here. And listen to what happens in this story. You know, so I'm telling you all this because the disciples would have been happy when Jesus said, get on the boat and cross to the other side because they probably would have had, you know, how they used to have all those cloaks and all their robes and they probably could have made a nice comfy bed and just sailed right across. And that's probably what they had in mind. But, you know, a lot of times we have things like that in mind too. 
when we feel when we kind of work things out for God and we kind of say, well, you know, after this, it's going to be nice and nice sailing, you know, like Anne-Marie said, the kids are not they're away and, you know, so it's going to be a really nice couple of days, nice and quiet for her and, and we all kind of go through things like that where you think it's going to just work out like this and then here. So I'll read this and let's read it together. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed, he, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quite, Jesus was quick, quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint-hearted what got into you the two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down the disciples in the boat having watched the whole thing worship jesus saying this is it you are god's son for sure a little bit different the version isn't it to what we're used to but i thought we'll read it through this version because it's a it it will make it you make to appreciate a little bit more some of the things that we'll be reading in the other translation and as I was saying, they were, you, you could see that they were about to have this nice, comfortable rest, but it wasn't meant to be that way. And life is like that for us so many times when we think that we're going to have a nice patch of beautiful comfort, comfortable time and relax and things are just going to go nicely. Bang, something comes up that you least expected it. And I have a man that helps me on my farm and, you know, he's, he's a Christian himself and and it's quite regularly that he uses the phrase and he says, the devil's not sleeping. You know, like something just goes wrong. You know, like last week we were putting irrigation and I've got a main pipe going around our property that's about that thick with all the water. And we had to dig these four holes in the middle of nowhere. And sure enough, the first one we dig, it's right on that pipe, you know, and water starts coming everywhere. And he says, the devil's not sleeping. You know, he just wants to annoy us. He just wants to get at us. So then, of course, it takes two hours to go and buy the part and fix all that. And they are the things you ask yourself, you know, and you say, God, why? Why did this have to happen? And, you know, that's a really bad example, I know, yeah, because, you know, it's only 50 bucks and you fix it. And, but, you know, poor Tibor is a case that he's asking, you know, why, God? Why is it happening to me? And here the disciples... Uh, having a struggle as well. He says in the NIV, and I think we've got the verses up in verse 22 and 23, he says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside 
by himself to pray. So, so far, so good. So they went, he, he dismissed them and he asked them to go off and everything was good. Um, he went up to the mountain there and he prayed to God and he, he needed to have a bit of time alone. And I would guess that at this time, you know, I'm not sure of the time frame in, in, the, in the Middle East, in Israel, but I would guess that it would be about 8 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock when it was just starting to get a bit dark because the people, they wanted to get them out. So it'd probably be about 8 o'clock. And we know that the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. So a storm that comes, it's not was an uncommon thing, but it was probably uncommon that it lasts that long like this one did. And, you know, you could just imagine that the disciples are in the boat and they're struggling with the wind and the rain and it's 9 o'clock and, you know, and, and, and they're still struggling and they're going and keep at it without even thinking of God, without thinking of Jesus, without thinking of anything. Just this is normal. Then 10 o'clock and this is normal. This is happening. This is what happens in life. These are the kind of struggles that we have. And then comes 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock and it's still going. You know, and they're thinking, maybe, maybe this is it, guys. Maybe we're not going to make it through. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation when you thought that this is it. I haven't been in one for a while that I can remember, so I won't share any of those stories, and I hope I don't have one to share with you for a while. But, um, you know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and I like this version. You know, in, in, the, in the NIV, it doesn't say 4 o'clock in the morning like it did in this version. <clears throat> but here it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water, walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So they were drenched. They were covered in water. It was a really hard time. It was something that they did not expect. And here they saw, I need you to understand too, because a lot of time we think that God takes care of us. Yeah, God loves us and he wants the best for us. And here they just had a really hard day. And any good boss that for a worker that's had a hard day would like him to go home to his family and, and have a really a nice rest. And here is their boss, Jesus. They, they, they're, going, they're going and, mate, they're here with a big challenge, aren't they? They've just had a big day there with the feeding the 5,000. And here they have to struggle. And so... It's a pretty bleak situation when they see someone walking on the water. And it wasn't like, we'll see it as we open it up a little bit more. It wasn't that, that as Jesus was coming, the water just calm as glass, it stood still. He doesn't say, I'll tell you when the wind and the waves and, 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 and the storm slowed down and when he stopped. And if you haven't picked it up, then we'll see it in the next couple of verses. But it was still going pretty strong, this wind. And I don't know if anyone noticed the wind, it was it yesterday or the day before? It was pretty windy. And you try to walk on that wind or you try to be out in the bay with that wind and the, and the waves, it can be pretty frightening because you don't just pick up. You, 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 there's nothing to, to grab a hold of. So the disciples, so the disciples called down and they said... It's a ghost. This can't be happening. 
Now, I know that if I was not talking to a group of Christians like you all are, I would probably have to explain that, you know, that this was not symbolic, it wasn't a parable, it wasn't a vision, that it was actually Jesus walking on water. And I don't know how we did it, I've never seen anyone walk on water, but, you know, by faith we believe that what the Word says, that that is what it is and that is a fact, and that Jesus was the Son of God, and that walking on water would not be very difficult for him, that the Lord of the natural and the supernatural so when the disciples saw him walking on water, they haven't seen anything like this before. They were terrified. They haven't seen anyone walk on water before. And they cried out, it's a ghost. And I guess that, you know, if I was there, I don't think that it would have come to my mind that this is Jesus walking either. I don't think that I would have been one of the ones in the boat. There was 12 of them. I don't think I would have been the one that would have said, hey, guys, come down. It must be Jesus. I would have been like them, freaking out. We're just about to die. He hasn't slowed down. The wind is still going. So they're grumpy and angry and hungry and frustrated and all these things. And they're probably saying things like, where is Jesus when we need him? Why didn't he come with us? Why did he send us on our own? He knew that this was going to happen. These are the kind of things that might have been going through their minds. Maybe we've been too difficult and he's going to find new disciples. Some kind of, some of the things that I thought of. Maybe he doesn't need us anymore. Maybe our time is up. Or perhaps because they were arguing so much among themselves, they thought that Jesus can find better disciples. Remember when they were arguing on who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Things like that. They must have had a lot of those conversations amongst themselves. Suddenly someone sees that figure and they cry out, it's a ghost. I don't think I would have said, maybe Jesus has a plan, you know, in the middle of the storm. He wants to build me up and teach me other lessons for later on in life. You know, they're the things that don't go through your mind when you're going through a difficult time, isn't it? Like, you don't think that I'm going through this trial because God is trying to build me up. He's trying to get me ready for something down the track. Verses like, give thanks in all circumstances in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. They don't come to your mind at this time, do they? I don't think that the disciples would have thought of that, even if the scripture was written. It wasn't written yet. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4.4. They don't come to your mind either when you're going through tough times like this. I like in this version, he says, but Jesus immediately said to them, Jesus knew what they were going through. Immediately he said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to, to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Many commentaries, they say they, they're very negative towards Peter at this particular time. And they say that he just wanted to show off. Others say that he was just uh, very strong and, and foolish and very proud man. And that's why he wanted to just show everyone that he could do this. 
And probably why they're saying that is because they probably would be like the other 11s as well. They wouldn't have gone out the boat. And I don't know how many of us here would have actually got out of the boat and would have actually done what Peter has done. One thing about Peter, though, in here is that he doesn't just simply say, he doesn't just simply see Jesus and he just runs out. He actually asked Jesus for permission. Have you noticed that? He said, if it is you, Lord, ask me to come out. And only when, God, when Jesus says, come, that's when he steps out of the boat and he starts walking on water. And Matthew's very clear on that. He, can't, he said, come. And how can we criticize him for that? You know, when Peter, when, when Jesus said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, in verse 27, he used an expression the disciples would have immediately understood. They would have understood what he was saying. And I'll show you a little bit later on what, how they've expressed themselves afterwards. So the, the phrase, it is I, is a Greek version of God, of the, the same that God was saying in Exodus 3.14, when Moses said, who should I say that send me? And God said, I am. Say that I am sent you. And so this is the same word that is used here. And so, they, so Jesus was saying, I am. I am the one that created these waves. I am the one that's in control of this storm. And they realized that. The disciples realized that. And the reason I, I'll tell you why they realized, as soon as he came in the boat, and it all calmed down, they actually, that was proved to them that what he was saying, he was actually true. You, you know, it's quite interesting that when Jesus came, that water still, the wind is still going. While he's having this conversation with Peter, and he's encouraging Peter and strengthening Peter, and he's building his faith, the storm is still raging. The water is still, you know, five meter waves or whatever they were, it was still strong. It wasn't that it was still calming. You know, it was a different setting and everything was wonderful. Because he says that Peter, when he saw the waves and he saw the wind, he started to sink. So it wasn't that it was calm and everything was cool. You know, it wasn't that Peter was saying, oh, this is easy, guys, look at me. You know, look how I'm standing here next to Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. No, he re the, the situation wasn't. But Jesus, and they, they understood that as soon as he stepped in the boat, and that's a beautiful part of it is as soon as he stepped in the boat, he just calmed down. The, 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 the wind was gone. The waves have gone. The storm, the rain, everything was gone. It was just calm. And, they, and what did the disciples say? Truly, this is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. They've acknowledged that. You see, if Jesus came walking on the water and they've seen him, it, it could have been anywhere in that particular time that, you know, it might have taken them a minute to see him coming. But they actually could identify that the storm stopped the minute that he stepped in that boat. So that could, it could be identified. They could pinpoint it to that particular minute, to that particular second. When Jesus stepped in the boat, he says that he stopped. So basically Jesus was saying, and they understood, I am the Lord God, the God of the universe. I created the wind. And Peter said, if it is you, Lord, if it is you, if you are the one that created all this, then tell me to come out. And that is the kind of God that we serve. That is the, the God that we serve that wants to dwell inside us. 
to be with us through difficult moments like these or any other one that we have. When Jesus says, come to Peter, he better obey. When Jesus said, come and walk on the water, he better obey. When Jesus says to you, come, you better go. When Jesus said to you, better walk, you better walk. When he says it to me, we, I better walk. And everything goes well until Peter notices the storm. Remember, the storm never stopped. He never, never stopped. It was always there, and he now notices it. Why did he notice it? He wasn't noticing it when he had his eyes focused on Jesus, did he? Faith equals concentration on Jesus. Faith equals focus on Jesus. Have your eyes focused on him. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, verse 30 says. But the wind was there, the storm was there the whole time. We can all get distracted when the storm of life rage around us. It's not easy to keep our eyes on Jesus in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm. I share with people many times that the most difficult time for me is not when I'm suffering, but when I'm holding little children or when my kids were suffering or now with our fosters and you have a little child and it's in pain. And, and, and that is probably the most trying time when a little child is suffering and you say, God, why is this happening? This text reminds us that not only does Christ control the storm, not only does he send the storm, he reveals himself in the midst of the storm. He doesn't wait till the storm is gone or he, the storm isn't taken away. In the midst of the storm, he appears. While the storm is still there, he appears. He came to comfort. He came to be with them in the middle of the storm. Fix our eyes on Jesus, on the Son of God. One of um, it's interesting that Peter, um, at this particular point, he prayed one of the shortest prayers. And you know, sometimes... I don't know if it's happened to you, but sometimes when you're in a pretty difficult situation, you just need to cry out to God. And in verse 30, he says, Lord, save me, was his prayer. You don't need to have a long prayer and explain to God. If he started having a long prayer, he would have drowned, don't you think? All he needed to do is acknowledge that he needs God. He needs Christ. And that's what we need to do a lot of time. A lot of times we'll try all other things, but acknowledging him. The Bible says that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And his words to Peter were very important. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? The Greek word is, it's one word, little faith. So he called him little faith. It was like a nickname for him. It was like calling him little faith. Why did you doubt? Why have you doubted? And I think it's a lesson that Peter now learns and he goes on and it's, it's a, a life lesson that he will cherish for a long, long time. And you can just imagine that it was still wet, soaked and 
and and of course Peter's it's very difficult for him here is Jesus next to him he's starting to sink so he's not being reassuring I also want us to to notice that Jesus was just before that with 5,000 other people this lesson he didn't share it with people that did not believe in God he did not share it with people that he saw there on the on the water that people that didn't know of him this story is with his closest with people that were with his disciples that were so close to him they were in a circle they were his Christian friends and he wanted them to learn this lesson he wanted to go through this experience so sometimes like I said that we say why God why me and I think of the disciples they probably would have said why us why us why not that other boat why didn't we just stay there but he wants us to learn he wants us to grow he wants us to get those muscles going and when they climbed into the boat the wind died down remember I said that I'll show you in verse 32 and 33 he says and when they climbed into the boat the wind died down then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of God they've acknowledged that he's God in the flesh I think before we get too critical of Peter we need to understand that there was 11 other guys in the boat and Peter's the one that was prepared to take the risk you know a lot of times we could just sit back and just say well let's see what somebody else does and Peter was the one that had that encounter and that had that encounter with Christ and that Christ picked him up and grabbed his hand so if anyone asked if I asked and I was going to ask who who's the only man that ever walked on water and I was try, it was going to be a little tricky question for everyone to say Jesus no Jesus no Jesus it was Peter Peter's the only man that walked on water because Jesus was gone in the flesh but what a privilege he had hey most of us if not all of us would have stayed in the in in the boat hey can you th- do you think that you would have got out of the boat and you would have been one of those that or would you have been a Matthew or a Bartholomew or a John or a James? Which one were you going to be? The easy way out. So we don't talk 2,000 years later about Bartholomew or about um, Matthew or about James walking on water. We talk about Peter. Because Peter was prepared to take that risk. Because Peter was prepared to step out in faith. And to step out in faith, it's a risk. And it's not always going to go well. It's always it's going to make it more difficult. Was it easy for him? It was more difficult for him than all the others. The others just all sat in the boat. I wouldn't say they were comfortable because it was still fairly choppy, hey. Jesus didn't say to him. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't when he said "ye of little faith." He was not rebuking Peter for attempting. He wasn't rebuking him for giving it a go. He wasn't saying, oh, oh you're a little faith, you should have stayed in the boat. He was glad that he stepped out in faith. But he said, you shouldn't have doubted. Jesus is saying, if you just kept your eyes on me, you could have walked across the Pacific, hey, or across Bass Strait. 
imagine. Staying in the boat may be the most comfortable and safest, but that's not what life is all about. I think um, the lesson is not only is is about stepping out in faith. It's about stepping out in faith and 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 getting active. And as as a church, as we're getting active and as we're filling in those ministries, and as Ben mentioned about people that are serving in the kitchen. In the end, who looks better, Peter, who tried and sank, or the other eleven? I think it is Peter. And I'd like to encourage us and challenge us to not be afraid to take risks for God, especially if we feel that he's drawing us, especially if we feel that he's calling us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for people like Peter that were willing to step out of the boat. We thank you for the examples that we have and, 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 and that we could look back into the life of Peter and the boldness that he had, Lord. We thank you that he didn't stay in the boat and wanted to and waited till you come right up to the boat and everything was fine. We thank you that he was prepared to take a risk. And Lord, we pray that you may give us faith that we may be able to take risks for you, Lord, that we may be able to step out in faith when everything seems impossible, but that we trust in you and that we believe in you because you are God. You are God in, and you've come here, Lord. Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you now that you dwell inside us and we pray that your spirit may continuously challenge us but also continuously strengthen us and encourage us and keep us to be able that we may be able to be a light to the world, a light to those that are lost around us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.